Today, I wanna close our Pray First series with a message I've titled, Build a Life of Prayer. And, and honestly, I've, I've said a lot in this series. I've given some practical stuff. I wanna recap for just a moment. But today, I wanna shift kind of how we think about prayer, what we think about prayer, and then some of the things, I wanna give you some assignments on what to pray specifically. And I, I've avoided that for the whole series because I wanted to bring that to you today in this last message. But just to recap in the first week, we talked about in the first Sunday of the year, um, we wanna build a life that uh, has, a, has a God first life, right? So, so we started in Genesis chapter one, verse one, where the Bible says, in the beginning, God. And before everything was, God was there. And I, and I asked this challenging question. I said, what would it look like for us to put God in the beginning of everything again? That this year we just decide he's first in my friendships, first in my job, first in every way. What if he was first in every category? Not just a category, not God is first when I go to church or God is first when I'm around Christians. But I want us to not take that message for granted and really evaluate your life and be honest. Is God first in every category of your life? And by the way, this will be the pull of the spirit of God on your life forever. God will always be pulling you to be first in another category. As soon as he gets victory in one area, he'll go, okay, now let's work on this. As soon as he gets victory in another area, he'll go, great, we've got, okay, I'm first here. Let's work on your friendships, you know? I mean, he'll just always be pulling you in this regard, but, but just evaluate your own self. Is God truly first in your heart? You know, Jesus said in Mark 12, 30 and 31, love God with all your mind, heart, soul, and strength. That's your whole person. He doesn't say love him on the weekends, Love him when it's convenient. Love him when he does everything you want him to do. But love God with everything. Is he your first friendship, your first relationship? Stephanie has always told me as long as I've known her, the Lord is my best friend. I've never been in competition with Jesus as her best friend. I would encourage you to put the Lord first in your heart, in every part of your heart. Then the question, is God first in your family? Like does the Lord matter in your house? We have a, a, a statement from Joshua on our wall in our piano room that says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord and cheer for the Vols. Come on, Jesus, right, everybody? And cheer for the Govs, Austin P. But as for our house, like, it doesn't, listen, and my kids are in that age, they're telling me what everybody else's parents say and what their friends do, and I say, great, but the Lord is the Lord of our house, and we have different perspectives, and we think through this other filter. Does God's word and God's will show up in your house? Does his word ever show up at your table? How you parent in your marriage? Hey, if you're a single person, are you building your life with God in the house? Is God first in your career? Do you work and live and lead as unto the Lord? Do you show up early because you wanna please God? Do you, do you serve people? Do you, do you have a glad heart for those that you work with? Do you pray at your co company because God is first in your career? Is God pleased with how you work? Is God first in your finances? All of us want God to bless us financially, but are you blessing him financially? Are you blessing his house? Are you a giver? Are you a tither? Are you a generous person? Is God first in your calendar? I mean, you're here on a Sunday morning, so good job for you guys, right? He's the first part of your week. But I'm talking like, is he first in your calendar on your daily rhythms? On your, do, you, do you put a time with God in prayer? Is it a priority in your scheduling for the week? Do you serve God's house? Is he first in our lives? So just keep that as an evaluation that you're always tweaking and allowing God to tweak for you. Is he first in your friendships? Is he first in your life? Second week was super practical. How do we build a pray first year? First, first week was how do we build a God first life? Then how do we build a pray first year? And I taught you we need to find a spot, find a slot and find a strategy. 
So I said, hey, find a time, find a place, like they do in the Bible. I mean, Jesus always found a place to pray. Daniel found a place to pray. So find a place that you're calling your prayer closet. Find a spot, make it your spot. Tell your kids, hey, don't eat Cheetos on this chair. This is my prayer chair. Go eat Cheetos on your mom's pillows. You know what I'm saying? Like, not my chair. And then find a time slot. Find a place, put it in your calendar. Just make an appointment on your calendar. I'm gonna spend this time with God, me and the Lord, and then a strategy. And, and my strategy is always, I read the Bible, and I pray about what I read, and I love to pray the Lord's Prayer. It's real simple. Find a spot, a slot, and a strategy. And that was the second week of this series. I'm trying to give you tools. I'm hoping you're feeling resourced by all of this. Last week, I said um, a simple prayer that we should all add to our prayer life is the prayer that Jabez prayed in 1 Chronicles chapter 4. And um, I prayed, Jabez prayed simply that God would bless me a deed so that I can be a blessing. He prayed God to increase my influence, my territory, my scope of, of, of reach so that I can make much of you, right? He said, uh, God, let me know your presence. Your hand is on me and your presence is with me because how many of you know it's a great thing to live your life with the presence of God? And then he said, Lord, protect me, cover me. And I, and I told you last week, I said, if you've got God's blessing, God's presence, you've got God's influence, you're gonna need protection because people will be jealous of you. People will come against you. The devil hates you already, but now that you're growing in God, he's gonna come after you even more. So I told you, pray that. Pray that over your family, your friends, your colleagues, your enemies. Pray it over your commander. Pray it over your boss, your neighbor. God bless my neighbor indeed. Lord, would you increase their influence for the glory of God? You go, well, they're not even Christians. Okay, we'll start over. Lord, bless them with salvation. Bless them with Jesus. And then grow their influence to the glory of God. Don't grow their influence for their glory, but for yours, Lord. Y'all hear what I'm saying? God answered Jabez's prayers, which shows us God is willing to answer these types of prayers. So by the way, I had a little testimony for you. Uh, yesterday, I got a call from one of the leaders in our church, one of our pastors, who'd been praying the prayer of Jabez specifically during this fast, uh, he and his wife. And they, they had um, been praying the prayer of Jabez, God bless us indeed, and specifically they were praying for the blessing of God related to some debt that they carried um, on a vehicle. And it was the last debt that they have except their home, and then they'll be debt-free. And they've been praying, it's been kind of dragging on and on and kind of frustrating. How many of you know that feeling when debt, like just lingers, right? They've been praying, God, bless us indeed, bless us indeed. Lord, bless us with this debt. Well, they started noticing their, um, their bank statements were off and wrong, and they contacted the bank on Saturday morning of all days, and the bank let them know that there was some internal error stuff happened that basically the last nine months of their debt has been erased, and it's gone forever. And so they were debt-free nine months earlier than they planned. And he said... He said, we've been praying, oh God, that you bless us indeed, and the Lord deleted nine months of our debt. I said, well, praise the Lord, God is good. So I'm telling you, I'm, this whole series has been about helping you. I'm not, listen, Christians are so informed, right? Like you've got sermon access on YouTube and every podcast and everywhere. We're so informed. Listen, the whole goal of this series is to be transformed and to change, and so grow in your prayer life. The last message of this series, again, is that we would build a life on prayer. So today I wanna to give you some final thoughts on this series, and next week we get back into the book of Acts, and we're gonna finish Acts by Easter for sure. I promise. It's been great, I love it. I don't know what's wrong with y'all, but anyway. I wanna give some thoughts about, about prayer, why we pray, how we keep our heart right in prayer, what we should expect in prayer. And some of this uh, I taught in a series four years ago called Foundations. I actually used a couple of the clips in the bumper of this uh, sermon series. But first of all, we have to keep a right heart about prayer. You have to keep the right heart about prayer. Some of us, we, we look at prayer as a way to move God. 
And we've even been told and branded with T-shirts and, and bracelets, like pray until something happens and, and, you know, don't stop believing, you know, whatever, that's journey. But like keep praying and petition God and, and pray until you make God move. Well, then we base our next level of prayer on God's response. So if he answers prayers, we get encouraged to pray again. If he doesn't answer our demands or prayers, then we get discouraged. And we're like, well, why pray? What's the point? I tried prayer and it didn't work. And if you have an attitude about prayer working or not, first, I want us to fix that attitude. I want us to have the right attitude about prayer. Before we get into how to pray and move God and get God to answer prayers, listen, I wanna challenge you to keep the right heart about prayer. <clears throat> Please forgive my voice. I'm fighting a little sinus thing and my throat's really hurting actually, so I'm doing my best. Prayer is way less about dropping off your list of demands. Prayer is actually about how you build a relationship with the God of the universe. Now think about this. There are times in prayer where we petition him and ask for things. I'm not throwing that out with the bathwater here, but listen. But the primary way we build relationship with God is through prayer and reading his word and listening to God's word. Think of any relationship that you enjoy, that you want to cultivate and develop. You call and say, hey, what are you doing? And they tell you. And sometimes it's something you care about. Sometimes it's stuff you don't care about. Then you go, hey, you wanna hang out this week? What are we gonna do? Whatever. Let's go do something. You wanna go watch a movie? You wanna go drive around and cruise? And you wanna egg a house? What do you wanna do? No, eggs are high right now. Don't do that. That's, that's bad stewardship. <laughs> Man, the egg market right now is crazy. If you own chickens, I need your number, man, let's go. Like, we could sling chickens right now instead of water filters and probably raise a lot more money. <laughs> but listen, think of the people you love cultivating relationships with. I remember dating Stephanie, and honestly, I'm her first boyfriend, so praise God. She got, I mean, she just, she was like, I can't, I, how am I gonna top that? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I say I fooled her quite a bit, but I remember dating her, we, we met in college, and we just, we couldn't wait to be around each other. Couldn't wait to talk. And it's, what'd you do today? How you feeling? What's going on? And it, could you imagine if I started dating Stephanie with, hey, nice to meet you. Would you mind doing these seven things for me? But many of us, that's our relationship with God. We all wanna know you, but I, I'll, I'll get to know you as you do for me. And we couldn't wait to hang out together. Talk all the time, talk to him. You know the late night talk back in the day with landlines. Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. Holding it on your shoulder with the cord. And you're over going, you hang up. No, you hang up. Okay, three, two, one. You still there? <laughs> Y'all remember them days? Them days were great, girl. We need a landline just for that. But you know what? We cultivated relationship by just spending time together and talking, listen, and listening. And just looking at each other and sometimes just doing life together. I remember walking to class with her. I remember the first time she called me babe. Like, oh, this is serious. <laughs> Holding hands, just being connected, just being together. And rarely did I ask her for things for me. In fact, part of it is what can I do for you, right? It's cultivating relationship. And I wanna encourage you, now, I, listen, dating relationships are just a very lame analogy to the relationship you can have with God. I mean, the reality is the same is true for you, however, that you can cultivate intimacy and fellowship and relationship with the Lord through prayer. Go read the Lord's Prayer again. Remember, there's seven stages of it. Only one stage has a place where you ask for anything, and it's not first. It's reverence and worship and forgive me, God, 
and would you please, your kingdom come, your will be done, and then more blessing on others, and then rejoicing again. I wanna invite you to think of prayer with the right heart. God, this is my way to have intimacy with you, to listen to you. Many of us don't even know how to stop in prayer and listen. We, here's the question I've been asking you for the last few weeks. Pray and ask God about these water filters. And here's what we do. God, how many water filters do you want me to give? Amen. And then we just move on. Well, stop and listen. Here's what I believe with all my heart. Listen to me. And some of y'all are going to freak out when I say this. God still speaks. God still speaks. Now, some people say the Lord told me like every day. And I'm like, mm, I think God's, like in the Bible, God spoke to most characters like five to seven times in their whole life. But God still speaks. He'll nudge and direct. He'll speak through his word. He'll speak to your church. He'll speak to you. But are you listening? There are times in prayer that we petition him, no doubt. But, there, but really, your, your prayer life should be about cultivating intimacy. There's a place for asking God to heal but, and do miracles and give direction and bless you. But if all you do in prayer is only ask God for things, that's not a relationship. He's your employee. If all we do is ask from God, expecting him to answer our beck and call, he's the servant, not us. And I want us to fix that. I want us to have a right heart. And I'm not saying shouldn't ask for things. We'll get to that in a second. But let's start cultivating just a friendship with God. This, these, these are some of the things I say to the Lord in prayer. God, I love you. I'm thankful for you. It's good to be with you today. I've told the Lord many times in my life over the, over the years, God, I miss you. I want to hear from you today. And I'll say things like, Lord, I'm thankful. I read your word today. I read Psalm 55. And here, man, this was so good when you said. Or I'll say things like, I've been thinking about your word. I've been thinking about what you said when. And I'm working through that. And I can't quite get my handle, my, my head around it. Or I'm so excited to tell you, Lord, what my kids did today. Man, did you see Brooklyn shoot them three baskets this week? Did you hear that? I know you watched it, God, but I'm just telling you about it. Sometimes I'll say, Lord, do you know what's going on in D.C. right now? Are you paying attention? My goodness, and I just, I feel like I'm taking a walk with God. Sometimes I tell him, I'm so frustrated today at work. I know I said some things I shouldn't have, but you know how they are, God. You saw it. <laughs> I mean, I just tell him like that. You know, like he's not afraid of you being that honest with him and relatable to him. He's God. We revere, we worship, we are in awe of him. But part of what I'm so in awe of is that he lets me be me. And let's me talk to him that way. Thank you, God, for listening. Thank you, Lord, for hearing me. And thank you, God, for leading me. Lord, I want to hear your voice more clearly. As your words grow into me, you're speaking. And then and you just talk to God. Just cultivate relationship. And sit with the Lord and listen. And some of us don't know how to do anything without music playing or screens running. Man, shut that off and say, Lord, let me be still and know that you are God. Prayer must become the primary builder of your relationship with God. It has to be. Coming to church once a week is not building a relationship with God. It's a part of your relationship with God, but it's not the builder. It's like a door is a part of a house, but the bricks build the house. So church is, is a part of your relationship with God. Being your small group is a part of it, but you and the Lord in prayer and in his word, that's building a relationship. Are y'all hearing me today? So, so the second attitude we need to remember is prayer changes us. And this is where I'm gonna use a little bit of my old notes here, but some of our staff are going through a seminary program, um, which by the way, we're gonna introduce it to the whole church. We'd love any of you that, if you have an undergrad, you can go through our seminary program together. It's a fully accredited Master of Arts in Christian Ministry and Leadership. But some of our staff are going through this program 
And they're taking a class called on spiritual formation. You may not know that terminology, but it's basically the concept of God forming us as spiritual people through various disciplines like prayer, fasting, worship, giving, studying the Bible, et cetera. All the spiritual disciplines are not meant to be tools to impress God. Like the Lord's not reading your Bible history or your prayer life going, wow, you are really spiritual. You read Lamentations, holy bucket. You know, like God's not... God's not impressed with you because of your disciplines. The disciplines change you and transform you and shape you. Giving changes you from greedy to generous. Fasting teaches you that I can control my body and say no to temptations. If I can teach my body to not eat for three weeks, I can teach my body to say no to porn or say no to anger outbursts or to stop cussing out my children. Studying the Bible doesn't make God more impressed with your Bible plan. It actually introduces you more to the character and the nature of God throughout the history of humanity. And prayer is a powerful way that God chooses to form us and transform us to be more like him, to get you to come closer to him, to become more like him, to be less like you and less like the world. Here's a thought you need to run with. It is really hard to sin in your prayer closet. So one of the ways to overcome sin is pray more. Like if you're dealing with an issue right now, some of you in this room, I know it, and, and online and at Austin P, you're dealing with a, a lust temptation or an issue with a, you're, you're, you're considering going out on your marriage or, or doing something stupid and catastrophic. Maybe you're stealing or you're, you're struggling with drug use or addiction. Listen, it is really hard to do those things when you're praying. I mean, can you imagine you're in a, a, a situation where you're about to have an affair and all of a sudden you just stand up and start saying, in the name of Jesus, Oh, God, I invite you into this room right now. That other person's out. (laughs) Y'all hear what I'm saying? Prayer, as it becomes a regular part of your life. I don't know, man. That's a funny analogy, but it makes sense to me. I need to calm down. My voice is hurting. I just had a lot of layers to that joke just now. And then I have a follow-up joke and a follow-up, but I'm going to stay focused. It's just really hard. And here's the thing, as you build a life in prayer, a life of sin becomes way less desirable. And you overcome these temptations. Listen, the Bible says you will never be tempted in a way that's too strong for you. We misquote the Bible all the time. You know what I'm talking about? Cleanliness is next to godliness, not in the Bible. And we say things like, well, God will never give you more than you can handle. That's not in the Bible either. God's given plenty of us more than we can handle. And then he goes, and come to me and I'll help you handle it. But what he does say, Paul writes into the letter in the Corinthians, he says, God will never let you be tempted in a way that you can't find a way of escape. And I'm telling you, the Lord will help you escape it, but you better pray. And here's when you pray, before you're tempted. Because how many of you know when you're hot and emotional, you ain't thinking about prayer, you're thinking about that thing that you want, that money you're going to steal, that person you're going to cuss out at the red light, that that affair that you're going to step into, right? Like when you're in the middle of the emotion and the vibe and the feel, that's not when you you pray first and let God transform you. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying anyway? Jesus, listen, if you remember, God made us in his image to be in relationship with him and sin separated that. God couldn't be with sinners and sinners couldn't be with God. Only the holy person, the priest could get close to the holy of holies. And if he had any sin on his life, God killed him too. It was terrible. Jesus came to restore us to right relationship, not based on our behavior, but based on his. Because he went to the cross for us, we can now, the Bible says, we can come to God in prayer. We are sons and saints and daughters of God, and we come boldly into his very presence 
And that's the place where God forms us and transforms us is in prayer. Don't just think right. Let God shape you to be right. He's the greatest friend to have to rub off on you. People say, well, you know, you are like who you hang around. Well, if you hang around with Jesus more in prayer, you might become more like him. Eugene Peterson, the pastor and author writes, prayer gets us, prayer gets us in on what God is doing. Prayer is the way we work our way out of the comfortable but cramped world of self, and we work our way into the spacious world of God. Hebrews 4.16 says it like this, let us come boldly to the throne of grace, to the throne of our gracious God, and there we will receive his mercy and find grace to help us when we need it most. How many of you need grace and mercy to overcome this world? Well, guess where you find it? Not in a seat in a Sunday. You find it in a prayer closet. Come boldly, walk into the prayer room, go to your Cheeto-free chair and sit with God and say, Lord, I'm coming to you today because I need the mercy of God in my life. I need the grace of God to overcome temptation. I'm really struggling with anger towards my wife today. Lord, I'm really bitter at how my life has turned out. God, I need your grace and mercy today and I need to find it in prayer. Lord, I'm struggling, I'm hurting, I'm mad, I'm ticked off, God. And come boldly to find grace and mercy in time of need. Are y'all hearing me today? Prayer is about you and I having a key to the house. It's about having a constant hall pass to the holy place. Prayer is the access to the very presence of God at all times. Anybody that tells me, I wish I were closer to God, I say, how's your prayer life? Because if you have an attitude that says, I'm far from God, and then you think God's not around me, that's false. That's a lie from hell. Listen, God's never not around you. If you're struggling to feel close to God, the question is, are you stepping into the presence of God? And we do that in prayer. Some people are coming to church, they're going, like, it's New Year's, right? We go, I gotta get closer to God, I'm gonna start going to church. Great, this is the door, but building the house of the bricks and the foundations is your prayer closet. So listen, we want you in church. We absolutely think it's important. But you really need to get close to God in prayer. Spend time in his word. Are y'all hearing me today? So here's a couple statements, write them down, they're sticky. I gave them to you before a few years ago. Prayer is seeing Jesus in relationship before we see him as our resource. He's not a genie in a bottle, baby. He's the Lord, he's the lover of your soul, he's your best friend. Man, when anybody says, who's your best friend on earth, you may have, you know, it should be if you're married, your spouse, if you're a parent, your kids should think you're their best friends. My kids all think I'm their best friend, they know it, and I say it all the time. But I'm telling you, my closest friend in the world is Jesus Christ. My wife has told me since I met her, she has never been ashamed of saying, he's my best friend. I love the Lord more than anybody. He, you should love him more than anybody else. Prayer is about our formation more than it is about a formula. God's way less interested in you saying the right things in the right King James Version or whatever. He is way more interested in shaping you than hearing you say it right. And prayer is about our transformation before it is a transaction. Lord, here's my list. If you don't mind, could you get this done by Tuesday at seven? Because Wednesday I'll have a new list for you. And many of us really only know to treat God that way in prayer. I mean, think of how you pray over a meal. God, would you bless this food to the nourishment of our bodies, in Jesus' name, amen. How about, Lord, thanks for this food. Lord, would you join us at our table today? God, may our conversations honor you and be sweet to you. I mean, if you're gonna pray at a meal, which last week I blessed all your meals for the whole year, so you're good. <laughs> but if you're gonna pray, invite the Lord to sit with you. God, join us at our table. And bless our food, because you're with us, right? Like, all right, so finally, I wanna challenge you with an, a, another thought on prayer. And ha, can I just know, like, has this series been helpful to you at all? Has it given you some handles on how to pray? 
That's a yes, okay, good. Only in church do we answer questions with claps, right? <laughs> hey, how you doing today? Are you having a good day, everybody? Yeah. Should do that at work this week. <laughs> hey, what's up, Bob? How's your day? <laughs> oh, man. The things I think about up here, you know what I'm saying? <clears throat> I just want to tell you guys, hey, I love, I love you. And I love being your pastor. But Jesus loves you so much more than I would ever. And he actually is inviting you to be so close to him. And I feel the same invitation. Like, I, I just want to grow in prayer this year. It's what I feel the Lord's stirring in me during this fast, is groaning in prayer. And it's an adventurous life to live close to God. It really is. And so I, I want all this for you. And I'm hopeful that you hear a message series like this and you go, man, there's a better way this year to live my life with Jesus. And that's the whole purpose of this series. That's why we preach everything, so you'll know God better and be closer to Jesus. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? All right. So let me give you a different thing, uh, thought about your prayer life. And, and I'm telling you, we want to build prayer small groups and prayer teams. We've got team members up here. We, we want you to build a life of prayer. For every one of us, we're so used to prayer being about our needs, our desires, our requests, our time with God. And for some of us, prayer is uncomfortable and unusual, right? <clears throat> but I don't want to suggest that prayer should never include what you're asking for. In fact, you should go to God when things are stressful. I, I totally believe that. So just to clear the air, my daughter and I were talking about this yesterday, and I was telling her where I was going with the sermon. She said, but what about praying for our needs? Okay, Philippians 4 gives us a direction. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. Does that say all the time? Does that mean always? Have you ever rejoiced in the Lord when something bad happened? Like, like your kids drive you nuts, and you just go, well, praise God. <laughs> That's rejoicing in the Lord. It's not super joyful, but it's at least, yeah, praise the Lord. Just walk off from your boss firing you. I got fired today. Well, <laughs> praise God. It's a little hard to do, but he does say always. And then he says it again. Again, I say, like who says that in writing? Again, I say rejoice. When I wrote my first book, they, or my only book, when I, they were like, don't repeat yourself. Well, Paul did. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. And then he said, let your reasonableness be known to everybody. Come on, Christians, be reasonable people. The Lord is at hand. Don't be anxious about anything. So here's your verse about bringing your request to God. It's in the Lord's Prayer too. In everything by prayer, by supplication, which is like urgent appeals, like I'm for real praying for this God, and with thanksgiving, don't forget to thank God. Thank him that he's listening. Thank him that he showed up in your prayer time. Thank him that he's gonna answer however he wants. He's gonna do something about it. Thank you, Lord. And then he says, with prayer, supplication, thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. The next verse says, and then the peace of God that's beyond understanding will guard your mind and heart in Christ. So, so I'm not saying don't pray for you. I want you to pray for you. I've taught you that in this series. God wants you to pray for your needs, the things that are causing anxiety for you, the things that are pressure points for you. Don't misunderstand that I'm trying to suggest anything else. I want you to bring your big needs, small needs, deep desires. Lord, what, should I talk to that girl? God, should I take this job? Lord, should we sell our house and move? Listen, bring those things to God as a part of your prayer life. Absolutely. But what if we could know that our prayers were always heard and always answered from the Lord? Remember with Jabez, he prayed for blessing and influence and presence and protection, and God answered that. Why? Because these are things God wants to answer. What if we could know that when we pray, the Lord hears us and he's guaranteed to answer us? Psalm 37, 4 says, delight yourself in the Lord. This is about a prayer life. Delighting yourself in the Lord is not go to church. 
It's a prayer life. It's an intimate relationship with the Lord. It's spend time in his word. It's just worship him. It's, it's be silent before the Lord. They're, like I've literally done retreats where I just leave to go be quiet with God. Delight yourself in the Lord. And look what he says. And he will give you the desires of your heart. I don't know about you, but I want the, I want the Lord to plant desires in me. I want God to birth some thoughts and some dreams and some passions in my life. But that comes from delighting in him. Many of us sit and dream and plan and whiteboard our lives. And we go, look at all the things, I my degree and my passions and my upbringing and my money. And here's what I could do with all of that. But what if we go, okay, God, here's a whiteboard to my life. What would you have for me? And that comes from delighting in the Lord. Are y'all hearing this? Like just build a life with prayer and delighting in the Lord. It's a pleasure to come spend time and come away with God. And then here's the backside of this verse. He'll give you the desires and then he'll give you the desire. Like he'll answer the prayer you pray because you're like, God, I'm praying for this thing that you put in my heart. God says, hey, I want you to pray about giving $1,000 to water filters this year. And you go, I don't have $1,000. That's the number I'm giving you. Okay, the Lord's put $1,000 in my heart to pray about this semester for giving to water filters. And then the Lord gives you a grand and a check somebody randomly or your bank that cancels your debt nine months early. The Lord goes, boom, here you go. The thing I put in you is the thing I now wanna give to you. How many of you think that's an amazing exchange with our heavenly father, right, everybody? That's amazing. And here's our part, delight in him. God, what do you want for my life? What do you want for my kids? Lord, where do you want me to go to college? What do you want me to do with my career? God, do you want me to marry this person? Do you want me to delight in him and let him birth desire and then let God fulfill the desire that he birthed in you? So what are some things that we know God desires? And I'm gonna ask you to start praying for these things faithfully. Because as we see the scripture, there's a lot of things God desires. Some things are contextual. Some things were just for that group of people. But some things are forever. And I wanna ask you to pray a lot this year and pray this series. Like I'm talking about, like grow in prayer, find a spot and a slot and a strategy. We talked about that message. Then I I challenge you to add the the four parts of Jabez prayer, blessing, influence, presence, protection. Pray it over everyone in your home, everybody that you're connected to. And then see prayer as an opportunity to get close to God. But finally, I wanna challenge you with a thought that a mentor of mine challenged me with. What if we would pray for God? the things that God wants. I first heard it on a podcast about three weeks ago, and I thought that is the weirdest question. Like God needs me to pray for what he cares about. Like the Lord's up there shopping real estate, like, hey Mike, would you pray about this decision for me? What do you mean pray for God? And he goes on to explain it, and I heard it in a a round table last week as well from the same guy, his name's Gerald Brooks, he pastors in Plano, Texas. He said, what if we started praying the things that God is wanting in the earth? specifically. There's a verse in Ezekiel 22 where God says, I'm looking for a person to stand in the gap and take up the hedge and pray between them and me. And God is looking for people to stand in the gap and pray for the things that matter to him. So what are the things that matter to him? And I want to ask you to add these things to your prayer list. And here's what I know. If you will pray these things, God will hear it. God will answer it. James says it like this. I think it's James. In the New Testament, we see It's 1 John. This is the confidence we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, that he hears us, and then we know that if he hears us, then we will have the things we ask of him. Did y'all see the formula there? This is the confidence we have in him, that if we pray and ask anything according to his will, 
then we are confident that he hears us and we know if he hears us, he'll answer the things that we're praying. So here's some things that God wants to ask you to pray for. First of all, would you pray for lost people? There is nothing, nothing, nothing that captures the attention of God more than people far from him coming to him. Nothing. The Bible says the angels, the host of angels celebrate and throw a wild party every time somebody gives their life to Jesus. Jesus said it like this. I didn't come for the healthy, but for the sick. He said, I have come to seek and save the lost. A lot of Christians think Jesus came for you. Yeah, when you were lost, he did. But now that you're in the family, we got to keep our eye on the missing. Luke 15 is three different parables about his priority of the lost over the found. Christians, stop thinking about yourself and let's pray for the lost. More than just praying for your family, your blessing, your come through, your breakthrough. Let's pray, God, would you save my city? Lord, would Clarksville be a place where revival hits the whole world because of what you're doing in our city? When's the last time you drove onto Fort Campbell and said, may the presence of God cover this whole place and may lost people repent and bow their knee and come to Jesus Christ? Pray for the lost. And God goes, I'm hearing that. Let's go, angels. Come on, let's move. Because you pray the heart of God and this is the confidence we have. He'll hear us and he'll answer us. When's the last time you prayed for the lost in your family, the lost in your neighborhood, those far from God? So many Christians are so busy praying to God. How about we pray for God? We pray for his heart. And the first thing on his heart is lost people. Lost people. Jesus, in his last prayer to the Father before he died on the cross, God forgive them, they don't know what they're doing, they're lost. His last prayer was for lost people. <laughs> so I wanna challenge every one of you, church, pray for the lost. And pray that they come to every church in this city. Pray that every church fill up with lost people. Well, it'll make all the Christians uncomfortable. Good. <laughs> we love to talk about lost people and missions until they show up and sit next to us. I've been working with y'all a long time. I know how Christians are. No, 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 let's keep a heart for the lost. That's why we give a quarter of a million dollars to start a hope center because we're praying for the lost. Look at the next thing, pray for the poor and the oppressed. Proverbs 31 says, open your mouth, judge rightly, defend the rights of the poor and the needy. When have you thought about the victim of human trafficking, the victim of abuse? When have you stopped to just pray, Lord, I'm not, <clears throat> I'm not embarrassed with the poor at the, at the interstate exchanges in our town. I'm not mad that homeless people are showing up. God, I'm praying for breakthrough. I'm praying for revival. I'm praying that every homeless person in our city find Jesus, find freedom, find recovery, find whatever they need. Lord, we're praying for the poor. We're praying for the oppressed. I'm praying for those who are on welfare, those who are barely making it by, those who are scratching to just honor God and to show up. But God, they're so poor, they're so broke down and oppressed. Lord, we're praying for freedom. We're praying for the spirit of God to overcome them. Pray for the poor and the oppressed. Pray for the widow and the orphan. This is like, Christianity 101, James says, pure religion that's undefiled before God is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction. Can I tell you, we know a widow is a person, a woman typically whose husband has died, a widower is a man whose wife has died. But let me tell you another kind of social widow we have. It's called the single mom. And the single parent, them kids that are orphans, here's what happens statistically. A man bounces for another woman or for another way of life. He's just tired of being tied down and he dips out and the woman and her children are left way worse off than when he was there and they were fighting all the time. Way worse off financially, emotionally, their life's a wreck. They're orphaned by their dad. They're, or they're widowed by their, wife, their husband. And then he moves on, gets another woman, get, builds some new kids and starts a new life and posts about it on Instagram. But we're gonna pray 
For that to not happen, first of all, we believe in marriages staying and sticking and lasting, and we're going to help you with that. But also those that are social orphans and widows, we're going to pray for them. God, would you heal the brokenhearted? Would you be the father to the fatherless, Lord God? Would you raise up this generation of kids in the foster care system and those that are in the adoption cycles? And Lord, would you bring the church to come alongside these people and bring life to them in Jesus' name? Come on, y'all hear what I'm saying? Pray for the poor. Pray for the marginalized. Pray for the widow. Pray for the orphan. Pray for unity. In the body of Christ, I am so grossed out by how divided church people can be. Not just in one church, but in the whole body of Christ. You know, there are hundreds of denominations. And I believe with all my heart that it grieves the Lord that we've taken his name and fractured it into hundreds and hundreds of denominations. Do you know the word denomination means to divide the name? Here's the question people ask you when they go, you say, I go to Life Point Church. What are they, what's the first question they ask? What, what kind of church is that? What denomination is that? Here's your answer. We love Jesus. We love our city. We preach the Bible. Shut your face. <laughs> yeah, but what, what kind of church is it? What denomination? We love Jesus. We love our city. We preach the Bible. Come on. I mean, we, this is why we as a church are the number one church in Clarksville to help other churches. I will never turn a church away that needs help, never. Our staff knows if a, if a church calls for help, the answer is yes. Move your schedule to help other churches. You know why? Well, I can't believe you'd help a Baptist church or a Catholic church, no, no, no. Jesus said this, look, Jesus is prayer. Jesus prayed this. I don't ask for these 12 disciples only, but for those who would believe in me through their word, through their preaching, that's all of us, that they may all be one. Listen, when we continue to divide and be divided, we're literally going against the prayer of Jesus. So pray for unity in the church. Pray that people stop sheep stealing and, and attacking one another and being like snotty about my denominational affiliation. Who cares about that stuff? Jesus is the king of this thing. And let's be unified as the body of Christ. Let's take ground for the kingdom together. I've had so many pastors say, I've never seen pastors come together like this. And I can't believe we're not in competition. I go, bro, we're on the same team. Quit being snobby about your church versus that church. It's the church and Jesus is Lord of them all. I heard a great analogy the other day because people want to throw shade on big churches and then big church people want to throw shade on small churches. He said, if I get on a jetliner, uh, if I get on a 747 or if I get on a four seat little prop plane, the pilot is super important on both planes. And every one of them planes are regulated by air traffic and every one of them planes needs to land. So it don't matter if you're in a mega church or a, a startup church or a struggling church, the church is led by Jesus and we are all one in Christ. Quit being a snob about it. Pray, pray for holiness among Christians. God, would you cause us to be a witness for you? Listen, Jesus said, I don't, I don't want these people taken out of the world. Some people think, well, yeah, now, now that we're saved, Jesus just come get us. No, no, no. He said, I want you to be kept from the evil one. They are not of this world. So you shouldn't be the ones leading the way in drinking and sexual scandals and stealing and cussing. That shouldn't be you. That's not you. That's not who you are. Jesus prayed for you. Look what he prayed. God, I pray that you don't take them out of the world. Keep them from evil. They're not of this world, just as I'm not of the world. The same way Jesus was different than all of us, you should be different than all of this world. Pray for that. And then he said to the Father, he said, sanctify them, set them apart, make them holy in the truth. And he said, the word of God is truth. Jesus is the living word, I'm the truth. And then Jesus said, I consecrate myself for their sake that they may be sanctified. Pray for holiness in the church. Did you know one of the greatest black eyes to the gospel is us living unholy lives? Stop it. 
Pray for holiness in the church. If you're messing around, stop, quit, repent, get help. If you're doing something stupid that would cause a, 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 a hip, hypocritical accusation on the body of Christ, quit. We tell our staff, we go, look, if you're living in sin in a way that would disqualify you from church and bring shame on our congregation, either quit the sin or quit your job because we don't have time to fool around with ungodliness here. Y'all hear what I'm saying? We're trying to win the loss, not live like them. Hey, y'all hear what I'm saying? All right, finally, this is it. No, I got two more. I'm out of time. The keyboard guy's here. Don't you love Pastor Elmer? Pray for kings and rulers and leaders. Paul writes to Timothy, I pray that supplications, prayer, intercessions, thanksgivings be made for all people. This is what God wants us to pray. Pray like God's telling us to pray. Pray for kings and all who are in high positions that we can live a peaceful, quiet, dignified life. This is good and pleasing to God, our Savior, who desires all people to be saved. He makes a direct connection to our prayer for kings and rulers and governors and mayors. We go, I ain't praying for him. I didn't vote for him. Get over yourself and pray. If there's someone you didn't vote for, pray harder. But pray that the church could do its job in peace so that everybody could be saved and come to knowledge of truth. Finally, what Jesus taught in Matthew 6, pray for God's kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, we wanna pray like you've called us to pray. We wanna grow in relationship with you in prayer. We wanna build fellowship with you, Lord God, in prayer. And I thank you, thank you, thank you, God, that it is an open invitation, a hall pass to the holy place through prayer. And Lord, today, we as a congregation commit to have a right heart, a right attitude, a willingness to be transformed through the place and presence of prayer. God, what a privilege it is to meet the Lord in prayer. Can you all just open your hands? This is another thing the scripture says. Paul writes, he says, I wanna see people everywhere lifting up holy hands in prayer. So could you open or lift your hands to the Lord? Come on, this is a posture of prayer. God, we pray. We pray over what we've heard. We pray and receive it today. We thank you that your word is true. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the truth. Lord, we thank you that we have access to heaven through prayer. And God, we commit today to do our best to build a pray first life. Lord, we thank you that we put you in the beginning of everything. God, that you've taught us a spot, slot, and a strategy. God, you've taught us what Jabez prayed, we can pray. And today, Lord, we want to start praying the things that you want us to pray. And this is the confidence we have if we ask anything in your name that you hear it and you'll answer it. So, Lord, we commit to praying these things. We pray for the lost of our city. Come on, lift your voice right now for the lost in Clarksville, in Montgomery County, and Fort Campbell, Lord, Southwest Kentucky. Lord, we pray for those who are far from Jesus to be wrecked by the Spirit of God, to be drawn close to the Lord in Jesus' name. We pray for the widow and the orphan, the oppressed, the marginalized. We pray, Lord God, for kings and rulers. We pray your blessing and that, God, you would draw people to yourself. We pray for the ones that you've asked us to pray for. We believe in unity in the church and holiness among the body of Christ. In Jesus' name. God, we love you. We're so honored that we get to pray and talk to you about these things. The Lord, invite us into our prayer closet and may we find it as a regular place to do life with you. Can everyone pray this with me? God, I've heard your word. Come on, pray it out loud. God, I've heard your word and I receive it today by faith in Jesus' name. I confess the Lord Jesus today that you lived and died for me, raised from the dead, giving me new life. I accept it by faith and I'm all in. Say, God, I'm all in. I'm all in in Jesus' name. To God be the glory. Life point. I love you. Amen.